Find Acts 2, please. Acts chapter 2. We're going to begin at verse 14 in just a few minutes. And if you want to go to the head of the class, you can find Joel. We'll be especially impressed. If you can find Joel, find Psalms and Proverbs and Jeremiah, and then eventually you'll find Hosea and then, and then Joel. And if you're watching uh, by live stream or television, welcome. And it, these texts are going to be on the screen for you. <clears throat> what, what would it be like? What would it be like if God, the creator of the universe, were to show up in a, in a big way? He shows up in a big way often, of course, in the Bible. In the Old Testament, there's that dramatic liberation of the people of Israel from Egypt with all those miracles and Elijah prays and fire falls from heaven of course there lot God shows up in big ways often in the old testament and then of course God showed up in a really big way in the person of Jesus when God the son the second person of the trinity became flesh and lived among us and demonstrated unprecedented love and performed miracles and then, then, of course, God showed up in the biggest way on what we celebrate at Easter on Resurrection Day when God, the Son, when Jesus had been crucified, died at the hands of Roman soldiers, and then on Sunday morning was alive. That's when God uh, showed up in the biggest way. And, and then after the time of Jesus, of course, the, the ministry and the miracles of, of leaders like Peter and Paul, and God, God showed up in, in a big way. He's still... He still shows up in big ways. Last week, we talked about the Asbury Revival, that outpouring of God's Spirit on that campus in Wilmore, Kentucky back in February. And I think I, think I have even seen, even I have seen uh, some times when God showed up in a big way. Like that, that night, I'll never forget, out in rural Nigeria, and we were there, and we went out there with some seminary students. We showed a movie, a Christian movie made in, uh, in Nigeria or in Africa. And, and afterwards, it was a wonderful experience, including this man we would call a medicine man who came up dragging a, a duffel bag full of, full of his powders and potions and paraphernalia and gave us that and said he was following Jesus. And then another night or day, just like being in a movie, we were sitting around the wall uh, on the floor in a mud hut when a man, another purveyor of black magic, said we could have all his stuff. He was following Jesus. It was quite Quite the unusual experience, one of those times when it feel, felt like to me that God had shown up in a, in a big way. What would it be like in 2023 in Huntsville, Alabama, if, if God were to show up in a big way? It's not always the same, of course. It depends on the context. It depends on the need that God shows up to meet. But we get a pretty good idea of... Um, of what would, it would look like when God shows up in a big way if we, if we study what happened on that holy day called Pentecost 2,000 years ago. And I want us to read what Peter said. It's in chapter 2 of Acts, beginning at verse 14. He's, he's quoting the prophet Joel. We'll get to that in just a moment. So remember what had happened real quick. The, these 120 followers of Jesus were waiting. Jesus had commissioned them to go to all the world and baptize and make disciples. And then, then he said, but wait, before you go, go to Jerusalem and wait on the 
power of God's Spirit. You, you can't, you can't, uh oh, there goes my notes. We, you, uh, you can't do this, he said, without, you can't do this without um, the power of my Spirit. So go and wait. So, so they're waiting and they're praying and they're anticipating when 10 days after uh, Jesus had ascended from earth to heaven, when the, when the Holy Spirit blew in like a violent wind, can't you? And then, then these flames appeared and, and then they all began to speak in languages they had not even studied. And people came from all over Jerusalem. There were thousands of people in Jerusalem had come for Pentecost. It was a holy day. The Feast of Weeks, it was called. 50 days after the Passover. They, they had all, by the thousands, come from all over the known world. Jews had to Jerusalem for the holiday. And, and they heard the rumor of what was going on down there with those 120 Jesus followers. And so they all, not all of them, thousands of them, literally thousands of them came down to see what was happening and that's when Peter stood before them there we are in verse 14 then Peter stood with the 11 the other disciples raised his voice and addressed the crowd fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem let me explain this to you listen carefully to what I say these people are not drunk as you suppose it's only nine in the morning you know if it had been 5 30 maybe but nine no 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 way no this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel in the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my, pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below. It gets dramatic here. Blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the glory coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Now, one day there's going to be the big day of the Lord, the ultimate day of the Lord. When, when Jesus steps out of heaven into history and brings history uh, to its cataclysmic conclusion. But in the meantime, there are these like many or miniature days of the Lord, the, 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 the foreshadowings, the, the samplings of the, of the day of the Lord. And that was what Pentecost was. So Peter stood there before them, uh, those Jews who'd come from all over the, the known world. And, and he, they, they, he said, you're wondering what's going on here, on here. Well, remember from the Hebrew scriptures, the writings of the prophet Joel. This is what Joel was talking about, Peter said. And then he, he, he reminds them, he reminds them of the words of Joel. Now, I, I'm going to ask again, what would it look like if God were to show up in a big way? And I'm going to try to discern, discern that by looking at the book of Joel. So Peter quoted Joel. I'm going back to the original source. And if, if you jump to Joel 2, you can, of course, follow along. First of all, the day of the Lord involves a dramatic sorrow over our sinfulness. The day of the Lord involves a dramatic sorrow over our sinfulness. Joel 2, 11 and 12 read, the day of the Lord is great, it is dreadful. Who can endure it? Even now, declares the Lord, return to me with all your heart, with fasting and weeping and mourning. To experience God is to, ex is to experience our own sinfulness. Remember Isaiah who had that vision of God. His first thought might have been, how great thou art. But his first words were, woe is me, I am a sinner, I am unclean. To be exposed to God in his holiness, 
reminds us profoundly of how sinful, how flawed, how unholy we are. So when God shows up in a big way, we are dramatically reminded of our sinfulness. Number two, when God shows up in a big way on the day of the Lord, the the years the locusts took are redeemed. Joel 2, verses 25 and 26. I will repay you, God says, for the years the locusts have eaten. What in the world does that mean? Well, Maxine Marcellini wrote a book titled Blended Families. It's about how families break up and people are broken and they're hurt. And and then eventually in time, a, a man finds a woman and and, and if God blesses it, and, and the, the families are blended, and, and it's hard work, but families get blended, and, and hurts get healed. She said it, and she, reminded, she, she went back to this verse, it's like the years the locusts have eaten have been redeemed. So it's like those years when, during, the, during the breakup of the family and the years thereafter when it was so painful, it was like... We lost those years. But now, she says, with this blended family, it's like those years have been restored or redeemed, claimed back. So when God shows up, it's like the years the locust redeems. By the way, Maxine Marcellini explained that. She She said, in Southern Africa, the locusts often show up in swarms. Every several years, there will, they will be such swarms, millions and millions of these ravenous grasshoppers show up. So thick is the swarm that some, it almost blocks out the light of the sun. And they eat everything. They eat everything in sight so that that year, the harvest is terrible. There's just no harvest because the, the locusts have eaten everything. Ah, but she said the locusts die. So now you got millions of Locust carcasses rotting in the soil, which initially is very messy. But eventually, when those locust carcasses rot into the soil, it enriches the soil, and the next harvests are plentiful. It's like the years the locusts have eaten have been redeemed. If I were to say I've ever experienced years that locusts have eaten. It was 2020 and 2021. Would you not agree? How many times do we say, well, you know, before COVID, it was like the locusts ate those years. Some of us have a hard time placing things. Was it, was it before COVID or after COVID? It's like the locusts just ate them. So, you know, we were so di- divided with the political rancor and the and racial strife and, and disagreement over how to deal with racial inequalities. And then, of course, there was the COVID and, and deep divisions over how to respond to a pandemic. So those years were really hard. If, if God were to show up in a big way so that it becomes like a mini, miniature day of the Lord, it would be like God redeems those, those years that we lost. Like hurts are healed and relationships are restored and we move on. So if God shows up in a big way in one of those samplings of the day of the Lord, it's like he redeems the years the locusts stole. Third, the result of the day of the Lord is a multi-generational 
vision and a multi-gender ministry, a multi-generational vision and a multi-gender ministry. Look at Joel 2, 28 and 29 if you have them open. Peter says this too, if you, even if you have Acts 2 open, he said, he quoted this. Peter quoted Joel. Joel said 700 or 900 years earlier, in the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all, on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days. And they will prophesy, which we would say proclaim or preach. I find it really interesting that Joel says this twice. And Peter repeated it. He did it just like, said it just like Joel did. He talks about old men dreaming dreams and young men dreaming dr- vision, or having visions. Let's talk about that first. When God shows up, it's a multi-generational thing. I'm, I'm particularly, particularly concerned about young adults. There are just fewer and fewer young adults who are following Jesus. Now, there was this uptick after COVID. Young adults... It's, claiming religion or spirituality, speaking of God or higher power, because the years of COVID were so devastating, so socially devastating for young adults. So they're turning to religion, but not to Jesus. And, and that breaks my heart. I, I always have had this deep passion for the next generations. I want to engage with them. I want to learn from them. I know the church needs them, and I believe they need the church and I but I also know that when God shows up it's not just about the young folks it's about people like me too that that God's concern is for people from tiny to 90 and beyond and I long for a multi multi-generational movement where those divisions of generations are minimized and and we all get in on the we all get in on the movement. So, so first Joel said, uh, he quotes God, I will pour out my spirit on all people and, and old men will dream dreams and young men will dream, have visions. And then, he, and then he said twice, I'll pour out on my spirit on men and women, said it twice, and they will prophesy. Isn't that interesting? I wonder if he said it twice so that we wouldn't miss the point. Now, I didn't plan this message for this time in history, but it is an opportune time to remember what the Bible says about this. There's been a lot of talk in the Baptist world about women in ministry about whether they should be ministers. And, um, and I'm in the minority. I, I'm out of step with most Baptists because I believe that God does call men and women to, to ministry. And, um, and my response to those who would disagree with me is, well, this is how I understand the Bible. Every time I have a conversation that matters, it's going to begin with, this is how I understand the Bible. Now, I know that sounds preachy and pious and all that, but when, when, when matters that matter come up, I, I want to know what does the Bible say. Now, I know, I know there are varying interpretations of Scripture. I get that. I get it. But let me tell you how I see it. I don't have time for the whole 
presentation, but let me, let me give you a, a nutshell. So in the, in the Old Testament, there are these uh, lots of women who are spiritual leaders. Take Huldah, for example. Huldah lived in the days of Josiah. Josiah was the reformer. Remember, Israel had fallen. They had rebelled. They were in bad shape. And then God raised up this young king named Josiah. And the Bible says in 2 Chronicles 34, verse 2, Josiah did what is right in the eyes of the Lord. And Josiah wanted to understand the Bible, so he sent not for Jeremiah. Jeremiah was alive, and so was Zephaniah, but he didn't send for Zephaniah either. Now, if Jeremiah and Zephaniah had been around in 2023, they would have been the ones with all the podcasts and the blogs, and you would have followed them on Twitter probably, but Josiah didn't consult, interestingly to me. He didn't send for Jeremiah or Zephaniah. He sent for Huldah, a woman prophet. And when she answered, when they asked, what does this scripture mean? She began by saying, this is what the Lord says. That's what I do every Sunday right here. I try to say, this is what the Lord says. And then there was Deborah, the spiritual and political leader of the entire nation, of Israel. And then Pentecost happened, which ushered in an, a new era when the Huldahs and the Deborahs would be even more common. So there was Phoebe the deacon, Romans 16. There was Junia the apostle, also Romans 16. There were the four daughters of Philip who prophesied, proclaimed, preached. And then these woman preachers became so common that God inspired Paul to write to the Christians in Corinth, listen, remind the women there that when they preach, but for cultural reasons, he didn't say if, he said when, well, for cultural reasons, tell them to cover their heads. I never met Huldah. I didn't know Deborah. I didn't know Junia or Phoebe. I never did know any of the daughters of Philip. Never even been Facebook friends with anybody from Corinth, so I didn't know the ladies up there either. But I do know Esther. And I know Kristen. And I know Shelley. And I know Holly. And I don't take kindly to people outside our church who don't even know them, who would say that they, because they're women, they and other women uh, don't deserve uh, the titles they have or the roles they have. And like Forrest Gump said, that's all I'm going to say about that for today. So, when, when God pours out his spirit, it's a multi-generational thing, and, and men and women get in on the, on the call. Finally, when God shows up, people's lives are changed. 
verse, two, verse 32 of Joel 2, and everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved for on Mount Zion and in Jerusalem there will be deliverance. When, when God broke through on Pentecost, 3,000 people were saved and the church was born. Before Pentecost, they were a bunch of good but powerless people. The church was born when the Spirit of God broke in and people's 3,000 3,000 on one day were, were saved. When God shows up in a big way and it's, it's the day of the Lord, people's lives are transformed. And that's what I, I pray for. For families that are broken to be healed, for people who are hurting to be consoled, for people who are lost without hope and without God in the world to know Jesus. I, I long for Increasing numbers of transformed lives and baptismal waters that are often stirred. For those things I pray and for those things I long. I'm not talking about people just coming to church a little more or cussing a little less. I'm talking about transformation. For here and forever. And when God's spirit shows up in a big way, then people are transformed. While we're on that, let's talk about fresh expressions for a moment. Fresh expressions is a, is a movement that began about 40 years ago in England. You know, America is becoming increasingly secular. They're about two decades or so ahead of us over there in England. About 40 years ago, these new forms of church, these simple, small forms of church began to spring up that usually didn't have a building and usually didn't have any paid staff. They just were, it was almost... It was almost like the day of the Lord. And they sprung up and around networks of people, around, you might call them subcultures or mini cultures, people who lived in a particular area, people, cyclists and bikers and artists and people in recovery. And, and these networks of people began to spring up, not with, not big fancy things, just simple Forms of church where they'd pray together and worship together and serve together. And, and so that movement came to North America about 30 years ago. And we got in on it. We've, we've begun some fresh expressions of church, heartfelt expressions. For over five years, met at Low Mill. You can see some of their paintings in that upper gathering place. Hope you'll go to that gallery there. A, a fresh expression, new form of church among artists. On Thursday nights, there, our, our Bright Star meets. Bright Star, the, the folks who are in recovery and who love people in recovery. And then, you know, we, we tried to get something going with Mary Mack. It just didn't quite work. We felt like it would be a great thing for families who have family members who are in recovery. And Dinner Church in Butler Terrace. Dinner church where people gathered around the Bible and, the, and food, and then, and then COVID came in and turned it into kind of like Christian meals on wheels. We, you know, we almost got something off the ground in the, in the scientific community meeting out at UAH, and then COVID came in. But it's time, to, it's time to revision that vision, to think again. What would it look like in your circle, in your network of people? What would it look like for some simple form of church that might begin with just you getting together saying, is anybody interested in a Bible study? And you need to be an insider. So if you're going to start a fresh expression among church, you need, among motorcycle riders, well, you need to be a motorcycle rider. If you're going to start one in an apartment, you probably need to be in that apartment. You see what I'm, it's, 
It's around networks of people. You'll see some signs beginning today around the church. Tim Boone and I really are interested in talking with you. If, if you go home and, and God messes with you, you feel like maybe your heart's stirring and you think, maybe I could try something. We, we'd love to talk with you because, because when God's Spirit shows up, people's lives are transformed. Not just a little bit, but in a big way and eternally transformed. On Monday mornings, you know, we, we meet at 7.30 for prayer. You're always welcome. We meet in the chapel, and almost every Monday morning, somebody articulates the prayer. God, pour out your spirit among us. I said it last week. It's one thing to hear the hum of an organization, and this, this organization hums. But the hum of an organization is different from the roar of the spirit. And I, my heart longs to hear the roar of the Spirit. I don't want to just go through the motions. A friend of mine in Richmond, Virginia, who was a developer, told me about a planned community down in South Carolina. I don't remember exactly where. But, you know, planned communities are all the rage now among cities and developers. You know, planned communities that are, you know, kind of like trying to recapture Mayberry, you know, um, Providence out west of here is one of those planned communities. Feels like a small town. You, you know, you feel like you could go to Floyd's and get your hair cut if you wanted to. It just feels quaint and pristine and safe and calm. So my friend was in, down in South Carolina getting a tour of a planned community when he noticed that on town square, on the town square, there was a church complete with steeple and chimes that rang. And it just was so comforting and reassuring to see a church on town square. And then he asked somebody, I think he said, I I forget, I I think it was a waiter or waitress. He asked about the church. And that townsperson laughed and said, that's not a church. It just looks like a church. Inside, it's a community building. Anybody can rent it. It's not a, it's not a church. It just had the veneer, the facade of a church. I love our church. There's, there's a whole lot more going on here than a veneer and a facade. But we still, we still need the Spirit of God to blow in. Whether it's a church or our individual lives, I don't think, you know, I think people are getting tired of going through the motions. Just surface stuff. Now, I'm not talking about just emotional experiences. I'm not talking about just a bunch of emotional experiences. I'm talking about the wind of God's Spirit blowing in so that He will comfort us when we are hurting and empower us when we are weak and embolden us when we are timid and enlighten us when we are confused. I'm talking about multiple generations in the movement. I'm talking about men and women in the movement. I'm 
talking about our years and our very lives being redeemed. I'm talking about things that are both so powerful and so beautiful that no, no budget, no building, no minister, no strategy gets the credit. I, I pray for the movement of God's Spirit for that old hymn we sang a moment ago, Revive Us Again. We sure could use it. Our hymn of invitation is 243. Find your hymnals, please. 243.